0: Um, in our gospel lesson, we um, looked at when Jesus went to Martha and Mary's house. And before that, uh, we found Jesus uh, talking to some lawyers and disciples about what it means to, to love our neighbor. And oftentimes in the Bible, when we find Jesus um, moving and going from one place to the next and another place to the next, then it's stopped with Jesus going into prayer. And that's where we find Jesus today. It's in Luke chapter eleven, verses one through thirteen. You can follow on your pubile we you may if on page seventy two in the New Testament section. I invite you now to listen to God's word. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, how to be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answered from within, Do not bother me. The door door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit for those who ask him. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Anne Lamott has said there's three essentials to prayer. Help, wow, thanks. However, when we offer our thoughts and prayers to a tragedy that meets us in our world today, our society can, can become rather cynical. It doesn't take long with a Google search of thoughts and prayers to see how cynical we've all become, uh, including countless memes, like the one with a garbage truck dumping a large garbage um, in a landfill. And on the words of the truck, it says, Thoughts and prayers. And then there's the two cats. Uh, laying down as if the cats really do nothing but lay and sleep. And the caption reads, I name my cats Thoughts and Prayers because they're useless too. Uh, the Dalai Lama even wrote, Although I am a Buddhist monk, I am skeptical that prayers alone will achieve world peace. We need instead to be enthusiastic and self-confident in taking action. When it comes To thoughts and prayers, it appears that there is no wow, much less thanks and help these days. So in facing a tragedy, whether it be a tragedy next door or in Texas or Indiana or Ukraine or South Sudan, if we can no longer offer our thoughts and prayers, then what does the church have to offer? I wonder if this is where the disciples, we found the disciples this morning. After years of being oppressed by the Romans, do they too become a little cynical with thoughts and prayers? Perhaps with their own cynicism, they ask Jesus to teach them to pray. Jesus' answer goes beyond a one-time text of thoughts and prayers. Instead, it teaches the disciples, it teaches you and me, to embrace the agony of today. On the morning of September 11, 2001, theologian Royal Williams, who later became the Archbishop of Canterbury, was gathered with a group of theologians in a records studio near the World Trade Center in New York City. The group was preparing to tape a religious um, broadcast on the theme of spirituality. We were interrupted. Williams writes in a studied understatement. I'm still thinking about what it meant to be interrupted like that. They were about to tape several hours of words about God when the catastrophic struck into the present moment and their religious talk was suddenly reduced to complete silence. We better acknowledge, Williams says, the sheer danger of religiousness. And sadly, it can be a way of teaching ourselves not to see the particular human agony in front of us today. Teach us to pray, they asked Jesus. So Jesus teaches them what we call the Lord's Prayer. Luke's version is a little bit shorter than both Matthew's version and what we pray weekly. But the heart of the prayer is the same. It's a prayer about God. And God always, always, always is at work. Opening our eyes to what is in front of us today. And God does this by bringing us into community. Notice words like my me, I, mine, are all omitted. Instead, Jesus gives us words, Us, our, we. Also notice how bold, how political and grand Jesus makes this prayer. Your kingdom come? There's our help in our wow. Help us today. Bring in your creation that you promised to us today. Help God. Help bring in the peace not tomorrow, but today. Wow. those a bold, political, grand request that Jesus is asking us to make to God. Our daily bread. Help sustain us today. All of us, every one of us, with what we need. Think manna in the Old Testament, where everyone had what they needed and there was no hoarding at all. So, this includes poverty, and homes, and fair wages, and jobs. Wow. It's also a nod to the heavenly banquet to come as well. Help us to see a world where there is no suffering. Where well, we will all sit at the table with peace. We'll all have plenty. And that go without. Wow. Forgive us of our sins, and those who are indebted to us. Help us to forgive one another. Help us. We say we need peace where there is violence. Help bring grace where there is selfishness. Wow. All bold all political and grand requests. But as bold and grand the prayer is, Jesus also makes this prayer intimate. When Jesus says, Father, he is not calling us to make this prayer to some empty universe way out yonder. Instead, it's as intimate as God sitting next to us as intimate as a child asking help from a loving parent. In doing so, notice how rude the child is in the child's request of boldness and political and granderous help. The child doesn't say please, He's not instructed to say thank you. Instead, Jesus gives us permission to be audacious when speaking to God. Well, in seminary, my neighbor and good friend, Matt, We worked part-time as a chaplain at a regional youth detention center. The facility had just held over over 60 boys from ages 12 to 17 years old for as little as three days to north of a year as they made their way through the court system. James, one of the inmates, was scheduled to be moved to a psychiatric facility uh, on this particular day. Being prone to daily violent episodes and the seriousness of the crimes he was accused of committing, everyone that day was on complete high alert as they prepared to move this fifteen year old boy from one facility to the next. Two chains, two guards, all others outside the cell, those with instruction jailed down the hall, and as the hour drew near for the transfer. I sat on the floor, my friend Matt told me, with two bars in between myself and James. And for the next hour, we talked. We talked about friends and sports in the old neighborhood. We talked about his brothers and his sister and how much he missed his mom and grandma. Since in the time was near for him to leave, he asked if we could pray. What would you like to pray for? Pray, pray that I might get to go home soon. Pray that I'll be with my family again soon. So I sat there on that cold floor praying that James would get to see his mom and grandmother again sooner than later. When Matt got home that night, he recounted that story to me. The two of us sitting on a picnic table watching my three kids run freely in the yard. Then he asked me, was it okay that I prayed that prayer? Even knowing that James will probably never see his mom or grandma alive at home again. Was it okay to pray so audaciously? Before the disciples could ask the same question, Jesus tells a story. And at the end of the story, Jesus says, The friend will not get up and give him anything just because he is the friend. It's because of his persistence. He will get up and give him whatever he needs. The critical word in that sense is persistence. That's a horrible translation. Chuck Campbell has written. Persistence is a rather a more of a churchy word, if you would. A better translation? Shamelessness. Even better? Impudence. Because you're shameless and you're asking, because you're impudent and you're asking, Jesus is saying your friend finally gets up because you made such a racket and you shamed your friend, he then answers the door. Which brings us back to those children praying the Lord's Prayer. Praying so audaciously that we think, wow, making shameless help, pleas for help. This is the way that Jesus is teaching us to pray. We talk so much in this room about our call. Jesus said this is part of it. Our call is to pray an audacious prayer, shamelessly over and over and over and over again. I wonder, when the last time the church prayed like that? I wonder if that meme of that 18-wheeler with an open trailer door showing a completely empty bed with the caption, Great news! The first truckload of thoughts and prayers have just arrived to Uvalde. It would look a little bit different if we prayed like that. I heard it once said, when homelessness began to become more prevalent in the United States, the prayers went like this. Lord, stop the homelessness. Give everyone a home. Now, 40 years later, the prayers for homelessness sound more like, Lord, be with those that are homeless. Give them comfort tonight. Do you hear the difference? The first is a shameless an audacious prayer. It sounds a lot like the prayer that Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. There's no thank yous, there's no pleases. Just help in homelessness now by giving everyone a home. Wow. In a book, Operating Instructions, Anne Lamont tells a family interviewed in 60 Minutes. Uh, The family was religiously devout mother in her thirties, a somewhat older and painfully shy father, and their ten-year-old daughter bound to a wheelchair. Every year this family made the pilgrimage to Lourdes in France, a place where physical healing is said to occur. According to Lamont, the interviewer, Ed Bradley, was giving the family a hard time for being so gullible. According to Lamont, at one point, he turned to the little girl and asked, When you pray, what do you pray for? She replied, I pray that my father won't be so shy. It makes him terribly lonely. That stopped Bradley for a few moments. But then he pressed on Question their family's priorities and wisdom, and saying to the mother that they spend thousands and thousands of dollars every single year going to the Lord's, and still they have no miracle at all. But looking at her loving daughter, the other mother answered, Oh, Mr. Bradley? Mr. Bradley, don't you get it? We already have our miracles. Bradley's expectations and the only miracle worth noticing, the only miracle that would count was the one that fit his definition. Namely, that this little girl would get up out of that chair and walk. And often that is what we are thought of when Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find it. Knock and the door will be opened for you. But this misses the miracle. We reduce it to as small as our imagination. The gift that Jesus promises to us, the it, if you would, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what gives this little girl strength to pray for her father. The Holy Spirit is the miracle that holds this family together in faith. The Holy Spirit is the miracle of joy growing and sustaining that joy in places the rest of the world would say. There's no way joy can grow there. Which then leads us to the last essential of the three essentials of prayer. Thanks. Our thanks is response and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. Our thanks is to receive the Holy Spirit and to get out of the way. As a Holy Spirit, it leads us to action. I think the world is right. If our thoughts and prayers are just simple one-time tweets and text and words, who needs them? But whether the world knows it or not, what the world needs from the church is us to shamelessly not stop praying for that woman receiving chemo, for that lonely teenager wondering why they have no friends, for that parent you've no longer with... Kids to raise. That scared soldier in Ukraine. That family seeking for food in South Sudan. We keep praying and praying and praying and praying for help. And then get out of God's way. Oh, Uh, but don't. Be prepared to be wowed for it. God's gift to you and to me, the Holy Spirit is moving in, filling us with love, and taking us to places, showing us miracles so beyond our imagination that the only words left for us to say is thank you, thank you, thank you.